BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As life-altering as the internet. That's what tech experts say about artificial intelligence. We're kind of at a tipping point where it's getting faster and easier in order to be able to use these type of tools. And while there's no doubt AI can be used for good, in the wrong hands. They're actually being able to imitate that particular family member. It can already be harmful. Plus, not so many people know that it's coming to the end. It's a day, three years in the making, how the official end of the COVID-19 health emergency will affect you. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined by Contact 6's Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Brian. Jenna, we are going to talk about a couple of stories today, but I first have to point out that this might be the last time we kind of get to do it this way, where I'm just comfortably sitting in my office, and you're comfortably at home on the couch. Next week, we have kind of a special surprise. Open Record is launching into a whole new level. We are going to be video podcasting in addition to the audio podcast, uh, and there's a whole fancy studio that our chief photographer, Kale Zimney, has uh, cobbled together that I'm actually pretty excited about. Me too, although no more doing the podcast, you know, without makeup and in t-shirts <laughs> and sweatpants. We'll have to look a little better. It's funny, we've talked about this too, because I know a lot of podcasts are doing this, where they're adding sort of a video element so people can watch on YouTube or you can watch it in other places. We will actually have this in a, a, a number of places, YouTube being one of them, but also on a special app that's going to be available on smart TVs uh, that all the Fox stations, I think, are, are getting involved in. So it won't just be open record. There'll be a lot of Fox 6 content. Um, but but I, we've talked about this, and we'll talk about it next week when we do this for the first time. We want to still keep this sort of casual podcast feel. I don't know that we'll be like in the beginning when we were literally using blankets over our heads to try to make the sound better <laughs> at home. I don't think we'll be doing that on video. But I don't plan to necessarily be in a suit and all sort of made up like I'm about to go on TV either. So I'm hoping we get to keep that sort of casual feel to the podcast. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And we actually started out doing this podcast in a room together before the pandemic, and then it all got dismantled and they took down all the soundproofing. Are we going back in that same room? No, actually, so you haven't seen it. Okay, well, I no. got to tell you, this is actually in, this will mean nothing to the people listening. Suddenly, this is inside baseball. Uh, Ann Brown's old office. Um, and and uh, so it's an office that's been, we use it for interviews and other things, I think, at times. Uh, it was a good setting. It's it's a, It's got enough size to set up uh, some lighting and different things, but it's also a quiet room. You can close the door. There's some sound panels in there now. Um, there's multiple cameras, there's a switcher. It'll look very professional. I mean, it is professional, <laughs> but uh, since it, we're not doing it ourselves, we have someone like Kale who, who's putting it all together. I think it's going to look great. Um, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that that's how this started because we were talking about this and it feels to me we've been doing it this way for so long that the podcast started this way and it didn't. 
we started it before the pandemic, like you said, in, in a different room in the building where we had microphones and all sat around a kind of round table together. Um, and that was the beginning of open record. And then the, the, the health emergency hit and we had to figure out how are we going to keep doing a podcast? And we, like many other things, how are you going to keep putting on television newscasts, which was probably more challenging. Um, but we did, and, and and so now sort of a return to that studio feel as we'll start recording those that way next week. The evolution continues. We march on, we improve, and we offer new things. It's all good. And it's great timing to talk about that because one of the things we're going to talk about today in just a little bit is actually we're on the other end now of that COVID-19 health emergency, and we're going to talk about some of the impacts of that. But first, something else as we look into the future uh, that is probably going to change our lives more than anything we've thought of since maybe the creation of the Internet. A world reliant on artificial intelligence. We've been hearing an awful lot lately about AI and talking a lot about things like chat GPT and these other things. But what is artificial intelligence at its core? So at its most basic, artificial intelligence is the development of computer systems to do tasks that normally would require humans and human intelligence. This could be speech recognition, decision-making, problem-solving. So basically, it means intelligent computers, combining the speed of computers with the judgment of humans. And in some ways, AI has become a bit of a catch-all term for any complex task that once required humans to perform, like communicating with customers online, right? Customer service could be one area where AI could be transformative. You mentioned ChatGPT. And it's expected that the advent of AI will mean machines capable of doing jobs that people have typically done. It's being compared to the Industrial Revolution in that way. It could have a huge impact on the economy. And there are a lot of possibilities for AI, but there are a lot of pitfalls as well. And that's why you may have recently read about calls for the U.S. to regulate AI. Some have even suggested a new government agency just to oversee and regulate AI and to hold these developers accountable, stop it from spreading misinformation, just as one example. But some are already questioning, is this advancing too fast for people to keep up? And we've already seen one area where it's hard to keep up. Well, you know, I think about like, if we step back, it's not like this is the first time we've ever thought AI could one day be a thing. I mean, you look back at movies like I mean, Hollywood often sort of gives us that glimpse of what what's what's going to come in the future. I think of the Terminator and the idea of movies that that you know could robots or could machines essentially overtake humans, and if they go rogue, could we really be in jeopardy? Could the machines take over? I think that's been sort of this sci-fi prediction or fear or warning for a long time, but it's gotten to the point now where this stuff's getting real, and it's already having a practical impact, and that's the story that you put together from a consumer standpoint. How is AI already being used in a way, I mean, we know there are a lot of good ways, a lot of very powerful, wonderful things that can be done with artificial intelligence, but you're already finding there's a way that it could be used for not so good purposes. What's going on? Right. There are certainly risks with AI. Some worry the risks will be profound. Not only could it put people out of work and students can use it to cheat on homework, um, but there's issues with disinformation and with scams. And we highlighted recently how this is being used to perpetuate 
old scams here in Wisconsin already and make them more convincing. We've told you for a long time about something called the grandparents scam. It could also be parents or any sort of loved one, but basically you get a call sometimes in the middle of the night from a loved one who tells you they're in danger and they need money. Now, sometimes people say, how do you fall for this sort of thing? Well, it's the middle of the night often. You're confused. You're just waking up. You're hit with this information really quickly. And in the past, scammers had to pretend to be your loved one for a short period of time. And then they would hand over the phone to someone who is pretending to be a lawyer or a police officer. Uh, Now, this is no longer a hypothetical. They're getting examples of people reporting this scam hearing cloned audio instead of a scammer pretending to be their loved one, they're actually hearing something that sounds like their loved one's voice saying, help, this is not a joke, I'm in danger, can you please send me money? And often they'll target grandparents because they'll say something like, don't call my parents, uh, I'm so embarrassed, I need, I need you, can you help me right now? And it can be very convincing. And right now it's mostly coming in the form of these short, audio clips and then the scammer will take over and say, okay, here's the deal. You need to send me this money through this sort of card or Venmo or some other way that it can't be retrieved. When you say the scammers will clone your loved one's audio, the first question I I guess wonder is how do they know what your loved one sounds like? How do they know what to clone? Well, I, I don't think it will surprise a lot of people that there is quite a bit of audio available on social media. Right now, the most convincing clones we're seeing happen with celebrities who have a lot of clear audio clips out there, uh, widely available. Think Taylor Swift, uh, Donald Trump, Kanye. Those are called deep fakes. There's been a lot of coverage recently about Drake. His voice was cloned in an AI-generated song. So if you have a lot of clips available online with good audio that can easily be used for a voice clone by entering those clips into an online generator. And there are websites that do this and can be used legally, but they can also be used in nefarious ways as well. So if you are someone who has a lot of clips on social media. Just that, I think about all the people, all the average non-celebrities who have all these TikTok videos out there now, or YouTube videos where you're doing a lot of talking and narrating. Essentially, you're putting your voice out there into sort of that data is out there in the public sphere and now these scammers are saying we can we can exploit that right and the more clips that you have available to feed into these online generators the better the better the cloned audio will be now in this story you actually kind of put that to the test although you just sent one audio example of your voice it was not a large sampling it was not a a whole you know library of videos which by the way are out there but even with that one, the scammers were able to, or I shouldn't say the scammers, uh, uh, they, the, the person you gave to was able to make an attempt at cloning your voice. Is that right? Right. So we spoke with a UWM professor in the School of Information Studies, and he teaches his students about AI. And he said, I've never really used this online generator before, but I could try. And he had me send him an audio clip. So I sent him a video I had on social media. It was about a minute and a half long. And he made a clone. And I guess I should be grateful or comforted that it wasn't great. Right. I used it in my story because I think it shows like this. You can't make a great clone from maybe one clip, one clip from an online generator. I I, I watched the story just this morning and I have to say when I heard the voice, I thought it was 
pretty good at first because I, I mistakenly thought they cloned, I hate to say this, I thought they cloned our executive producer, Sarah Smith. It sounded more like Sarah maybe sort of being a little sarcastic than it did you. It didn't sound right. anything like you. You know, we had some debate about whether or not to use it, but then we thought, well, this is an example of what one clip with a little back noise might sound like. Hello, this is Jenna Sachs, Fox 6 News. I have been hurt. Can you please send money ASAP? Maybe we should all feel better about that, right? Unless you have an abundance of sound out there, maybe it's not going to be the best clone. But you also have to remember, sometimes people are tired. It's the middle of the night. And if it sounds a little bit like you, that could be convincing. But I was also told by this UWM professor that he made it in five minutes with one clip. And going forward, this technology is getting rapidly more effective and he might be able to make a much better clone from one clip in just a few years. This is where the technology is headed. And if there are several clips out there or you have maybe one of these scammers has more sophisticated technology, more time to hone and craft. I don't know how all of this works, but it just seems like it's certainly not unreasonable if they could with one clip make a voice that speaks um, even anywhere near like you that it, it doesn't seem unreasonable to think they could make one that sounds just like you, either with more time and more source material or with a little more uh, advancement in this technology. Exactly. I think it's just something we need to be prepared for. Expect that if you get a call like this, take a moment, try to pause, try not to react emotionally because that's what a scammer wants. So you really need to take a moment to think about the likelihood of this situation, try to buy some time, stall, and then call and verify that your loved one is okay. You know, as I mentioned before, often they'll do this at night when it's hard to reach people, but really just take a moment to think about the likelihood that this is happening. And if, you're, if, if your family is close, maybe you can talk about creating a family phrase or a word that can be used in a true emergency. I even gave my parents a heads up before this story and I said, hey, I'm working on this story. I have a lot of audio out there. If someone thinks it's funny to clone my voice after this story, I want you to know that if you get a call like this, it's not me. So uh, that's just something I even had to think about for this story. But uh, chances are this is not what's happening. And just often taking a moment to think and not react with emotion is enough. Well, and it is easy to get emotional in those situations. I, I will bring up a, a personal example recently where my daughter called me from school. She goes to UWM and, and she called me excited about something and wanted to tell me something she was very excited about. But the tone of her voice immediately, I took, I thought she was crying and Immediately, I felt this wave of panic. Something's wrong. And you go into sort of this as a parent and fight or flight. Oh, my gosh, what's wrong? I'll do anything. And I could see that if you believe this is your loved one's voice and they're telling you something really bad has happened, that for many people, it becomes an emotional response. Um, so it really does seem like this is something where you've got to have that. You've got to be able to step back and go, does this make sense? Um, you know, I just talked to her a couple of hours ago. Everything was fine. How could she be in this place? They're telling me she, whatever it might be, right? You, I guess be skeptical. Absolutely. I did this story five or six years ago with an elderly woman who was not unintelligent. She served on a school board. She was a smart lady who was older and a little hard of hearing. And she had gotten a call like this at night from someone she thought was her grandson. And she reacted with emotion. She was also kind of grateful that he felt he could trust her when normally a parent would handle this kind of thing. And she sent money 
via debit cards at that point, and that money could not be retrieved. And she spoke with me saying, if this can happen to me, it can happen to someone else. I don't think I'm an unintelligent person, but I got caught up in this moment. I was confused, and that's how it happens. They just have to catch you in a bad moment. Where things are right now, we're talking about them cloning audio with maybe sort of a pre-prepared statement, right? They, they write up something that says, Grandma, this is Jenna, this thing happened, whatever it is. But what is the potential for this down the road to be something that could be used in live conversation where the scammer could be talking, could be me in this voice, but the person on the other end hears Jenna Sachs? I'm told the potential is very good. They're not really at that point yet where they could have an interaction. So the scammer is more likely to say, here's your loved one. I'm putting them on the phone and then you have to deal with me. So they might play something for 10, 15 seconds and that's it. Uh, but yes, that's where this is headed, and that's why it's good to know that this tech is already out there. Thinking of good things, I'm wondering if there's a way to clone my voice and also maybe just write some code that when I've got other things to do, there could be a Brian Polson AI fill-in on open record that could take care of this podcast and I could get on to other things. It would probably be even more entertaining than me. Brian, this is why they're saying it's going to replace jobs. <laughs> so let's find out how replaceable so, oh, we are. Oh, so I shouldn't wish for that. Okay. No, no, well, no, no. Not we'll yet. Hope, we'll hope that doesn't happen anytime soon. Well, speaking about the future, uh, we've got a very different future ahead, thankfully, after three years. Uh, this is one of those things I think uh, early on in, in uh, March of 2020, we thought the end of the COVID-19 pandemic was just a couple of weeks away, and then maybe it was a few months away, and then it was, well, maybe it'll be six to even, what, 18 months? They said, how could we survive this for 18 months? Well, after three years, the COVID-19 health emergency in the United States is officially over. It's almost weird to say that. As many times as we've talked about COVID-related issues on open record, I think we all kind of feel we've, we're behaving in our lives like it's been over for a while, but it's officially over now, right? It is. The official federal emergency ended May 11th, and the good news is that COVID-19 cases are significantly lower than they were in late 2021 and early 2022, but that emergency basically gave the government flexibility to waive or modify requirements in areas to help fight the virus. And how will this impact the average person? Probably the most clear way is the cost of testing. It's going to cost more to get a COVID test. Under the emergencies, um, insurers were required to cover COVID tests in full. That's no longer the case. So if you need to get a COVID test, it'll probably cost you 10 to $40 a box if you have private health insurance, depending on the number of tests in there. And for people without health insurance, they've been getting free testing as well. And those tests will no longer be free. I should say people with Medicaid will still have access to free at home tests through September and the tests will still be widely available, but they're going to cost more. I, I just ran into this literally uh, last week where I, I had a day, I didn't know if what I was dealing with was allergies or a cold. I had a scratchy throat, a little bit of a sore throat, and immediately thought, you know, just out of precaution, I should take a COVID test. We've got some sitting up in the closet upstairs. And I went to pull one out, and sure enough, it was expired. I can talk to you about that, actually. Let's br bring that up. I want to come to that because it was expired, and my next thought was, well, do I just, I mean, do I go ahead and just take this one anyway and, and see what the results are? Or do I go and get one? And then I thought, well, now I'm going to have to pay for one because they're probably not free anymore. So that raised a lot of points 
Tell me what you know about all this if you're in that situation. Well, first of all, if you have a test that says it's expired, it's not necessarily expired. The FDA has extended a number of those expiration dates that you see on the box. We have a link on fox6now.com to all the tests that have had their shelf life extended. It's a long list. So don't throw it out. Check online first. I've got, to, I've got to pause things right here and go text my wife and let her know not to throw those out because I think she was ready to. So that's good, good information. We'll check out, the, uh, check out if those have been extended. The other question then, can I still get free tests? Because, uh, you know, that was one of the great things. At least, I, yeah, you've got a test because I can't go back to work or I can't go to this, you know, family gathering if I don't know for sure. Um, but you knew you could order free tests. And now I think, well, boy, if I have to go and pay $15, $20, $25, a pop – I'm less likely to want to test myself. So what's going on with that? So there are ways that you can order some free tests online, but it depends on how long the federal supply lasts, right? So there are still supplies available uh, on sayyescovidhometest.org and covidtest.gov. Those are tests you can get mailed to you, but again, there's limited supply and the government is not going to replenish those after they're gone. But if you really need a COVID test, uh, you can still get a lab test and you can buy them. You can spend the money. It might be less expensive to get a lab test now. Most insured people will still likely have some coverage for tests that are ordered by a health professional. It's just likely going to involve a copay or some sort of out-of-pocket expense. And again, it's no longer free for people without health insurance. If you have Medicare, it will still pay for lab tests for the time being, but that's probably going to end eventually as well. So basically COVID-19 is losing its special status. It's It's been treated differently than other viruses until now, not so much going forward. We'll talk about that more in a second, but I, I will say that I did put to the test those websites this morning because you had them in your story and I thought, well, let's see if there are still supplies before we even record. And sure enough, both of those sites uh, still had available tests and were able to send them to my household. So uh, if you want to repeat them again, I know this is audio so that it can go right by, but repeat what those websites are again. Right. And we have them on Fox 6 now, but say yes, covidhometest.org and covidtest.gov. I actually got tests mailed to me within a week. I, I put in an order a couple of weeks ago. And I want to be clear because I think I ran into this the last one is covidtestsplural.gov. Is that correct? Yes. And the yes, first one ends with test singular. Yes. And again, if you don't know what it is, go to fox6now.com and I have them linked in the story. Um, I also have a link to um, some other helpful links for people who don't have vaccine or don't have insurance. So if you're uninsured, uh, there's still a, a federal program that will maintain free access to COVID-19 vaccines called the Bridge Access Program, and we have information for that as well. So that's testing. Now, what about if you have COVID-19? What does this mean for treatment of COVID? So the cost of treating COVID will be going up eventually. Right now, there's still free access to antiviral treatments like Paxlovid until the federal supply is gone. After that, it's going to be subject to cost sharing. And like I said before, basically COVID is just becoming like any other virus that you need to treat with medical care. It depends on your insurance plan. There's probably going to be some good coverage out there, but perhaps not in full. And I, I, when you raise that point, I, obviously there are, you know, it's, it's 
also been an issue throughout COVID that's, that's had politics wrapped up in it, and people have very strong opinions in all sorts of directions. Um, but but one of those things about it's just like uh, any other virus now, it's it's endemic. It's part of the, the flu is out there, COVID's out there, there's other things that you can catch. I do think about this, and I think we don't really have a flu test, I think, of that. We, you know, we don't order flu tests for our house. You think you have the flu, you stay home and you don't go out and infect other people. To some degree, is that where COVID may be headed is, well, you, you might have COVID, you might have the flu. Don't go out and infect other people right now. I, I guess I bring that up to say that we don't have the same sort of quarantine rules and other things that were such an issue early on, where if you didn't have proof, you couldn't go back to work. That, that's a little different now, right? That's true. You know, I think about the viruses and the illnesses that my school notifies me about for my kids. There are certain things they're going to send home a notification about to let the parents know, hand, foot, and mouth, for example. We find out about certain illnesses and we're asked to keep an eye out for them because of the potential for spread. COVID's kind of like that. I get emails from my school every few weeks saying a student in class has tested positive for COVID-19. And that's good for me to know. And that's why I've stockpiled tests so that I can test my kids if they have a runny nose or a cough, something along those lines. So I think you're right. It's not going to be quite like the flu, but it's going to be important enough that it's like one of those illnesses that the school feels like it's worth writing home about so that you can keep it from spreading all over. You look back to where we were three years ago to where we are now. When you heard someone had COVID, I, I remember the, you know, I didn't get COVID right away. I think it was after a year before I did. But even then, you get it. You almost felt like there was something shameful about it, that you had to admit to others that somehow you, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I, I didn't wash my hands enough times. There was, But, but now it, I think there's a, a, a sense that, it, like you said, COVID, the flu, things are out there. If you know that you are, you have a compromised immune system, if you know that you're around someone who, who uh, that could be very dangerous to, you still have to take that extra care. COVID hasn't gone away, right? Like it's still here. No, and actually pharmacies are still administering vaccines and getting uh, a vaccine up to date is still recommended. And I will mention that vaccines will still be free of charge until that federal supply is depleted as well. After that, they'll be subject to insurance requirements as well. But right, that's, that's a good reason why you might want to check out whether vaccination is right for you. So the moral to this story, COVID-19 emergency is over, but AI is coming for you. No, maybe oh, it's not. Geez. Maybe, <laughs> that was ominous, right? That was very ominous. Well, some people feel very ominous about AI, and rightfully so. I think uh, Hollywood has prepared us to act, hopefully, now that it's here and try to rein this in. The question is, how much can you rein it in? Well, that's a good time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And usually we have executive producer Sarah Smith here to ask us that, but she is not here today because Sarah's getting a root canal. Did she give you permission to she say did. that? She did. Okay. And that leads me to today's question. Jokingly posed by our editor, Dave Machuda. But I think it's actually a pretty good question. What are other things in life that to you are worse than a root canal? Everyone always talks about something. Oh, it's like getting a root canal. Oh, that's like getting a root canal. I, I mean, thankfully, I've never had a root canal, but I su suspect they must not be pleasant. I have not had one either. I had my wisdom teeth out and that wasn't great. But uh, a root canal, fingers crossed that never happens. I'm going to have to think about what's worse 
than a root canal. There are a few things that come to mind. I've already talked on this podcast about how much I hate roller coasters. <laughs> so that, that immediately comes to mind. I'm going to think if I can come up with something I haven't mentioned before. One of them for me, like a thing that just feels like, oh, I just don't want to do it. And I know I have to do it. And, and that is, I mean, folding laundry in general, but there's something about folding socks and underwear because like, like I love to fold towels because I feel like when you're folding towels, you feel like you're making progress more quickly. Like you take a big towel out and it takes a big chunk out of the pile. But with socks and underwear, every little piece is so tiny and it seems like this little basket is going on forever. And I just, if, if I could, if AI could fold my laundry for me, I would be so grateful. At least the socks and underwear. That's the part that I just, I can't stand it and I'll never, I don't think I will ever like folding that part of the laundry. I don't mind folding laundry as long as I'm doing something else at the same time, like watching a show. Full disclosure, we now have to turn on our cameras during the morning meeting for our station, so I feel like I can't fold my laundry anymore. I promise I was listening, but I was also folding laundry <laughs> during the morning meetings, and now I feel like I can't do it anymore, so I don't know when that's going to get folded. Bring laundry into the new uh, podcast studio. And just fold it while we talk. We want to give people a real casual at-home feeling. Just bring in some laundry to fold while we do the video podcast. I mean, I if we're speaking about like chores, I hate cleaning the oven. I can't do it well. I tried cleaning it with like baking soda or something at one point, and now it's all like slightly white. <laughs> I don't, I really hate cleaning the oven. I, I should have gotten one of those ovens with the self-cleaning. Um, so that would be something that I hate doing. Hate, hate, hate cleaning the oven. I mean, I guess a, a root canal isn't like a routine chore. It's just a thing that just seems like, oh, this is, this is awful. I don't want to have to do it. Maybe maybe it's also uh, like preparing the stuff you need to take in for taxes. Mm-hmm. Just gathering the documents and trying to find all the things you need. And that's I, I kind of that that's no fun either. So I guess that would be similar for me. Right. Or doing some sort something like getting your license renewed and, and waiting in a really long line. I'm at least grateful you can do most of that online now. Um, That's true. It is, you know, and you don't have to sit at the DMV and wait for your number to be called and all that sort of thing. That used to be that. I, I think that probably would be high on people's list. Worse than a root canal is sitting at the DMV and waiting to, you know, pay for whatever fees they have lined up for you. There's this kid's movie that has a hilarious joke in it where there's a sloth working at the DMV and she's she's moving so slowly. It's such a good joke for the grown-ups. What, I, I've seen that. What was that? Because I know that I've Zootopia. actually... Zootopia. It was Zootopia. Thank, okay, yes, I have seen that. And yes, it, it uh, resonates with the parents. Like a lot of those movies, Nothing you know this. Nothing against all the people who work at the DMV. No, you know this, though, with having young kids. You watch those movies, and I have to say, Hollywood is really good at making sure the adults have things that they that, that are just for them in a lot of these animated movies. And yeah, that's one that hit home. I agree. I enjoy a lot of those movies. I don't know about any adult pop culture right now, but my knowledge of the kids stuff is really good. Well, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, please send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Jenna, thanks for being on the podcast as always. Of course, anytime. And of course, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our executive producer, Sarah Smith, and our editor, Dave Machuda. 
Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. And a reminder, next week, if things go well technologically, it will be our first video podcast to go along or to supplement our don't don't worry the audio podcast isn't going away it'll still be here but you'll be able to watch us on video as well we'll have more details coming up in the meantime i'm brian polson we'll be back next week (laughs) 